Live from the Grand Ole Opry House in Nashville, Tennessee, WSM is proud to present more of the Grand Ole Craft Beer Radio from January 5th, 2012. This 2013. Is our 2013. Can I get me? This is our 233rd show, which is a special prime number show. It is our 51st prime show. Very nice. Yes. Okay, so tonight's beers, you heard the uh, Grand Old Opera intro there. We have some beers from Nashville, Tennessee. My buddy Dave, who was up from Texas over the holidays, was driving through Nashville, stopped at a mini-mart, had a good beer selection, so he picked us up a sixer of, of Nashville beers. Nashville. This is, uh, the first one we're starting with is Hap and Harry's tennessee lager now the story is that hap matt hap motlow from the jack daniel family from lynchburg used to tell his friend harry lippman to make great whiskey you got to make great beer and lippman i guess was the first distributor of jack daniels so they combined to make a their relatives made a beer called hap and harry's and uh the beer is called tennessee lager now it's 5.4% 5.4% alcohol by volume is made with Pilsner, Vienna, and bis- Biscuit malts. It is hopped with Pearl for bittering and Zots for aroma with 14 IBUs. Crafted exclusively for R.S. Lippin Company by Yazoo Brewing, Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So these are... So it's, it's it's made by a real craft brewery. Yeah. I was wondering until I saw that if it was made by just some, you know, fly-by, not fly-by, you know, just contract brewing, you know, no-name... It is contract brewing, but it's contract brewing right. with... Right, by a real craft brewery, yeah. not, you know, the equivalent of, say, city city brewing or something like that. So what we have here is a uh, golden lager with some uh, just barely reddish notes in it. Just barely. Very clear. Almost definitely filtered. Nice, nice barley. Crispy barley. Sort of a... Um, uh, rice crispy is kind of aroma, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's something like that going on. It, it, it's a good, bready... Oh, the Rice Krispies is, is interesting that you say that, because now it's it's a lot more what I smell, what I'm picking out of it. No. Now, it, it doesn't smell too adjuncty. It doesn't no. smell... It has a good little... The hops aren't very prominent, but there's a nice little support there. It smells like a good, no, a good no summertime lager. No, no, smells, yeah. It's got a nice full body to that. It really does. It really reaches out. Mm-hmm. And and the malt is big through the flavor and big through, even into the aftertaste, you get this big malt that carries it the whole way through. It's, uh you know, equivalent to, um, I guess, you know, it's, it's not too far off from like a Dortmunder or something like that. Yeah, I was that. thinking export. It's close to it. It doesn't have quite the, the hobby bite that mm-hmm. maybe a Dortmunder might have. Um, it has the sort of graham crackery kind of flavors it, Brooklyn Lager is also kind of similar mm, to Brooklyn yeah. Lager maybe a little less malt or a little less of the darker flavors out of the malt than a Brooklyn Lager but graham cracker even like like potato chip something something light um, potato chip without the oily okay. there but a little right. light and starchy I think it's it's a it's a real nice drinker. I think this is something you could drink a, a couple of, and um, <laughs> not 
be noticed. <laughs> Beware to the wise that a 5.4 will jump up on you pretty quickly. No, this is nice. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, we had a listener um, tweet us about how you know he enjoys the show and wanted to give us a donation. I realized, oh, crap, I never put the PayPal donation links up on the not-so-new website. So for like the last months, no one's had any opportunity. So I did spend some time, and if you go to the website, if you're interested, no pressure, um, there is a PayPal donation uh, subscription links on the website, and you can subscribe for as little as two dollars a month, or if you want to do something like one dollar a month, you can do twelve dollars a year, mm-hmm. and it's uh, taken out through PayPal, and uh, it's just a relatively easy way to give your support. And also, I went back and rehooked up some of our affiliate links. So if you go on our website or look in the show description here, you'll see an affiliate link for Amazon. So anytime you shop through Amazon, you can just use that link; it won't cost you anything more, and it'll you know send a little referral bonus our way and also midwest brewing supply i have a referral link for them so if you want to buy some homebrew stuff and you want to try out midwest homebrewing supply you can uh click that link and we'll get a five percent back it's funny because i meant to talk to you about that because you know bought a lot of my gifts through amazon and i went to our site to look for because i was like oh well i'll just you know throw some money back at us yeah but it wasn't there. And I signed up to get two other referrals, if, as long as they get approved, and they should, but it just has to go through a manual approval, um, Think Geek and uh, Newegg. So soon we'll have all your geek goods and your computer stuff under control, too. You At the very least, money will be flowing back to Craft Radio from me. <laughs> so. That works. So go to our website if you want to you know, either subscribe or use one of our referral links. Just try to remember, hey, I'm at Amazon. I should leave Amazon, go to Craft Beer Radio, click that link, and go back to Amazon. So you can give us... It'll uh, save the stuff in your cart, too. So There you go. You won't. All right, back to the beer. And if you listen to Basic Brewing Radio, give him the Amazon links because he's been doing it for years and years and years. I thought he said he isn't doing it anymore. He doesn't? Didn't you say he wasn't doing it? No, no, James still doing it. That's someone else. That was a good beer show. Oh, good beer show. Shows you how much I listen. <laughs> Greg's up on the ins and outs of the craft beer podcast landscape. This is a pre- pleasant surprise. When I saw the label and I saw the story on the back about the Jack Daniels guy, uh-huh. I, I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting... Hey, let's put Lynchburg on the label and sell some beer. You know, that's the kind of thing I was thinking. It looks and vaguely like a like a Jack Daniels bottle it has the same sort of style type, you know, type style that the uh, label of Jack so, Daniels you know, has. I mean, it, you know, it could be something like where what what's it? RS Lip, RS Lipman is a beer marketing company, but they hired someone to make good beer to put in the bottles. Mm-hmm. They wanted, or at least, either on purpose or by accident, ended up with getting good beer in the bottles. Yeah. So, good for them. Yeah, I would say that this is a beer that's not um, it's not the best of its kind I've ever had, but it's a suitably fine drinker, and, and I wouldn't be ashamed to, to have a glass or two of this. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'd be surprised if it's the best beer of the night, but I'm definitely enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And um, I can see in the summertime, great lawnmower beer. Oh, yeah. You know, great... Uh, yeah, anytime it's hot out, this would go, well, I'm enjoying this a lot. Not a ton to say about it. It's pretty straightforward, but it's I'm well done. I'm picking up a little bit of the um, of the pearl back there. Um, I'm getting a little more hops. You, you mentioned yeah. the pearly hops. I'm getting a little bit more as I drink it. It's definitely a little spicy continental. Just, But, yeah, you really had to get accustomed to all the maltiness and maybe even 
you know, a little numb to some of the maltiness before you can pick out the hops. It's just a very small dose of hops. This in is here. a great, like, bar beer. This would go great with some, like, pretzels mm. or salty pork rinds or whatever whatever your bar meal of choice is. Yeah. If you drink this in a frozen glass, though, it's not going to taste like much of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just going to taste like cold, bubbly water. Yeah, Jeff's um, a little experiment that he did convinced me. Oh, the frozen glass. I wasn't sure about the frozen glass thing. I mean, I knew that it was cold, but I didn't realize that it would keep something cold that long. He's talking about the craft beer radio labs. Because I had an idea of like finding more experiments to do. I did a, a video and put it up on YouTube about frozen glasses and actually had three glasses at room temperature, refrigerated, and frozen. And I put beer temperature water in it, you know, 40, I forget what it was now, 47 degrees, I think. And um, measured it over like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. And um, saw how much the thermal mass of the glass affected the beers. So if you're curious, you can go on YouTube. Uh, it's on my Jeff Bearer uh, YouTube channel. And you'll be able to find that there amidst all the Allison stuff. <laughs> are the, the graphs were on our old site. Yeah, the, uh, yeah the, the graphs probably aren't posted anywhere. They're... In the video, briefly, the graphs, but they're not posted anywhere. To, to the, the research paper is not posted anywhere. Mm. It that can be, be when I get some time. If we get enough of your donations, then we'll sponsor there we go. an official paper. Okay, so what's next? I'm looking at the different styles we have left. We kind of Why don't we do all the Yazoo's last? Well, we, we started with the Yazoo, but... Yeah, we got a bunch of lighter ones. We've got a Hefe, we got... Um, this is some kind of... No, that's not too pale. Okay. Yeah, we can do this um this other one, this uh Blackstone. Yeah, we're going from a lager to uh this is a nut brown ale from Blackstone. Now their website does not exist, so I'm having to go from their uh beer advocate site. They've been making award winning ale since nineteen ninety four, the label says. But they have some good notes here on the beer advocate site. Uh OG one point zero five two, IBUs of twenty three. The color they call a 22L, which I would call uh, moderately dark brown. The hops are Willamette, and the yeast is Ballantine Ale Yeast 105.6, and the water is hydrogen and oxygen. Well, there's probably some ions in there, too. Dissolved salts, things like that. Mostly. Mostly hydrogen and oxygen. I think there's twice as many hydrogens as there are oxygens. Well, I'm saying they're combined. <laughs> mm, that has a nice yummy aroma on it, doesn't it? It's uh... Definitely smells something walnutty, something... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. I'm like, what is that? Because it's not really molasses. It's not really... Raisin bread, or you know, roasted or anything, walnut, or you know, other like leading closer to hazelnut. I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. in that it's in true nut. It's a true nut mm-hmm. smell. Not you know, not peanut, which is just a glorified pea. Hmm. That does smell good. Hazelnut, but not as pungent as hazelnut. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's. It, that's why I was hesitant to think hazelnut because it wasn't nearly as pungent, but it smells like a hazelnut, just a very, um, you know, think about a half-strength hazelnut-type smell. 
And you think about when you mostly get hazelnut, you associate it with chocolate because it goes so well with chocolate. So you think like Nutella, mm-hmm. right? You think uh, roasted hazelnut and coffee. What am I tasting? Uh, I had some like weird thing come into my head, like and it was reminding me of what the hell. It took me to you know, like sometimes when you taste something, it takes you somewhere. Mm-hmm. It takes you to the building or whatever, but it doesn't really t- tell you what you're <laughs> tasting. I was like in a sushi shop for some reason, but I don't know why. Okay, sushi shop. I can go with this. Because what is the primary smell in a sushi shop? Rice. Rice, yeah. Vinegared rice. Sweet rice, basically, with a little bit of sourness into it. So you're getting a a, a grainy profile, Mm -hmm. something that is along that cereally grain thing. But there's something sweet there and, and, and pushing on a little bit, not the same, but a little bit like the, the ginger. Yeah, I was thinking a little bit of pickled ginger. There's also a little bit of soy sauce. You know, I, I think, right. think those kind of three things took me, like I took, like I said, it's weird. It's like, it was like out of body experience, right? Mm-hmm. I took a sip of this and I couldn't figure out why, but it took me to sushi. I can see how it would bring you there because... Honestly, when you said that, the first thing that came to my mind was there's some flavors in, in here that are reminiscent of sake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe and, that's part of it, too. And sake yeah. goes well with sushi. This would probably go well with sushi, too. But picking out what those flavors are mm-hmm. is, like you said, it's something of a challenge. There's no good analog that I'm coming up with right now. Let me try to keep digging into it, see what I can find. There's, I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it doesn't, it's not so nutty in the flavor like mm-hmm. it was in the aroma. There's a, there's a good maltiness there, but it's, it, the maltiness is, it's kind of unique for like things I'm used to. I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly, it's not, yeah, I can tell you a lot of what it's not, right? You know, you might think that it's like bread crust or something. It's not, it, you might think it's like, uh. Raisin cake. It's not really like the that closest either. bread I can come up with is actually sourdough, not the outside, but sort of the inside, the bready part. So I'm not thinking like the outside where you get a crust to it and you get some melanoidins here. I'm actually not getting a heck of a lot of melanoidins here in this beer. I'm not getting those caramel notes, those uh, those cooked notes. I'm getting much more uh, not quite doughy, but a little bit. Uh, yeah, also, instead of the caramelization, down. it's more of what you would get from, like, a Munich malt or a Vienna malt. It's more of that um, multi bready, you know, like the... I guess doughy would be kind of a way to put it. How else would I want to describe that? Think of... Okay. Okay. What are those crackers? They're not rich crackers, but they're whole wheat... Like, are they Triscuit? Are those the ones? Triscuits or? are the ones that are the shredded, the shredded wheat. Shredded yeah. wheat, but the ones, what are the ones that are not that? 
They're like whole wheat crackers. Uh, I'm not sure of anything by name. I mean, I've had wheat crackers before, but I don't know any famous ones that you're trying to think of. Toasteds or Tostados? Or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. If you, you know, think about Vienna Lager or Oktoberfest. And, and think about the malt from that and then take a sip of this and see if you're getting like, because I think I'm getting like some characteristic from those like German kind of malts, you know, those those lightly roasted, really rich, you know, malt type character. Mm. Yeah, I'm, no, like you said, it's not Trisket. Oh man, what is that? Cause, I, cause I don't know. It, it, it's it's little square crackers. I think they might have wheat in the title. Wheat thins. Wheat thins. Okay. Yeah, they have a lot of like honey in them or something. Right. A pretty sweet cracker. I think wheat thins. Hmm. No, I think it's more of a cheese it. <laughs> <coughs> Probably could have delivered that without choking. It would have been better. But... Yeah. Mm. I, I just I feel like Jeff's right that there is sort of an Oktoberfest kind of hit to it. There's a uh, there's something that that edges very closely, or or actually you know kind of far away, but still there within eyesight. Of a smoked malt, but not quite there. So there's like just little, uh-huh. sure. little touches of it. Huh. It's 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 um, it's fun that this one's hard to describe. You know, yeah. it's not your average, it's not your boring average brown ale. You know, this one is fascinating. Has a great aroma. Has an interesting flavor. You know, like it was crazy how it you know took me out of my body to a sushi place. That's um, that's a great thing about. I think mean, one of the reasons why we've done so many shows. Because beer does take you on experiences and on journeys, especially mm-hmm. you know good ones or ones where you can't quite say necessarily whether it's the best thing you ever had, mm-hmm. but it still took you on a journey. Mm-hmm. It still yeah. took you somewhere, and uh, I think that's the reason why beer is coming popular. Taste and flavor are nice ways to get to little journeys that you don't necessarily. You aren't necessarily able to afford to otherwise. Sure. Just my little little observation. Greg's observation for episode two. Very well put. All right, so... What do we got? Well, let's do the one that's not labeled with them first, even though it is theirs. It's weird, because... They have a whole thing on their site where they have a bunch of their beers and they have this Gerst, which is also their beer, but it's not, I don't know. It's really weird. It's in a Yazoo bottle with a Yazoo cap. It's unlike, a featured beer. Unlike the, the Lynchburg lager. It's the featured beer of the Gerst House German restaurant, which is brewed oh, in okay. Nashville. So it's an amber ale at 4.5% alcohol by volume. Beer Advocate calls it an alt beer. That's interesting. 4.5. You're near in sessionable range on this sucker. Well, you got water in there. I was curious. You know, it's... it's I'm just going to be adding more water to it. <laughs> the, um... 
Yeah, old beer. I mean, it's a German amber ale. So presumably it's, you know, fermented with a German ale yeast. So it's definitely going to come into that alt beer range right there. Hopefully it's not like that victory alt beer. Uh-oh. 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 This is like a rubber stopper, isn't it? It it smelled a little acetone at first, but actually the second second one was like I just sliced the grapefruit in half and just smelled the grapefruit. It's like I smelled that too. <laughs> Doesn't smell like just like a like yeah. you just rang out a yeah. grapefruit. And not in a good hoppy way. It just smells like a grapefruit. The first thing I smelled was something that was like the rubber stopper from a chemistry set. It was it was mm-hmm. like Yeah, this beer is uh this beer is messed up. I'm gonna take a sip here to see what it tastes like, but smell is getting more pithy as I smell it. It's less of the citric, and now it's more like just like you're just eating all the the inside membranes of the grapefruit. Huh? Yeah. Huh? It doesn't taste horrible. <laughs> no. It. Doesn't taste like the beer that's supposed to be in the bottle, though. No, I'm not sure what to make of it because it, <laughs> it's if it's off, and it, I think it pretty clearly is off. It's off in a very interesting and not gross way. I was expecting it to be like very hot, yeah, and like give you a headache, like within three seconds of taking a sip, like that kind of like high alcohol, you know, hot. And it's it's not. It it tastes like a weird experimental IPA or something. Get really high carbonation. You can tell there's something growing in this, and it's giving off. I would not be surprised if there's a little bit of Brett in here, but it hasn't hit the beer strongly or hardly. It, it's it's given it a good deal more carbonation than it should have, and it's given it a slight leatheriness and a bit of a tang and what else is there well hmm I'm not uh, drinking it last time I drank a beer like this it was the Doris the Destroyer and I I didn't dump it out the night we had it on the show it sucked because it was such an expensive beer I'm like I'm gonna drink it again the next morning I woke up with the worst hangover couple days later, when I drank the Doors again, like 20 minutes later, it was giving me a rotten headache again. Really? Yeah, so like, I'm not even going to risk this because it's the same kind of infection. And This is not... Oh, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> this is not giving me the same kind of, of repulsion that it's giving Jeff. I'm, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. It kind of tastes like a slightly wild amber. Which is is really interesting. It's not it's it's not a style that you get often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a wild amber. So when I when I breathe in over it, and now I'm actually getting some puckering on my cheeks. So I mean, there's definitely mm-hmm. some some acetic notes that are coming out of this. But I I it it tastes like bread. I didn't dive into it too far. I wasn't getting bread. I was getting more of the uh, acetobacter. Or not really acetobacter. Uh, 
some other wild yeast infection, I guess, gives you the acetone. You know, those fusel alcohols. Mm -hmm. But I'm not getting those. Hmm. It It's actually really... It's a really nice drinker, huh. as no, it is. There's no date on the bottle, so I, we have no idea how old this is. It's... I... I'm really fascinated by this beer. <laughs> I was fascinated at first, and then I started tasting, you know, too much nail... Excuse me, too much nail polish remover, and I'm like, I'm not even going to risk... I'm not even going to risk it. Hmm. Well, now I tasted some of the aftertaste. I think it's enough. <laughs> I taste. I started to taste some nail polish remover in the aftertaste. I was like, okay, that's, that's far enough. No one needs to actually taste that. All right, so we're going to do the Hefeweizen from Yazoo next. The last three beers are going to be main, you know, main Yazoo beers, label and cap. All right, so their Hefeweizen is, uh, is an OG of 12 Plato, an FG of two, Final Gravity 2.3 Plato, IBU's 13, SRM 3, which is a pretty pale... Golden straw, five percent alcohol by volume. Not too much uh, yeast in the bottom of the bottle. There are some bottle poured very clear. I poured, you know, put about a third in Greg's, a third in mine. Swirled it up and then, you know, shared the rest. Oh, you know what? There's it was really settled. There's a huge ring of sludge in the bottom of the bottle there. So we got a little bit of yeast in the beer, yeah. but. I mean, the stuff was really stuck to the bottom. Banana clothes. Not what I'd expect. Yeah, it has a banana bread type flavor. Yeah, aroma. I'm sorry, aroma on it. It's it's a, it's kind of, yeah, like roasted bananas or banana bread. You know, it's not just fresh banana or ripe banana. It's, it has some yeah. caramelization, some, you know, some you know sugar conversion in there. Some a little bit of that. Caramel, sugar. Which, when you think about it, the bubblegum is really just a sweet banana. Mm. Yeah, there's a little bit of phenolic spice to it, a little bit of clove, but you know, this is one of those banana forward versions of the Hefeweizen. Ooh, that that banana's really coming through now. Mm. If you like bananas, how about this cousin of the same chemical? <laughs> it's made from yeast. Very, very, very carbonated. All I got was zing 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 explosion of carbonation on the mouth. So from here I'm gonna Give it a lot of swirling, try to work out some carbonation. Because I really couldn't taste much else. It was just a big explosion of carbonation when I took a sip. Bananas. Banana bread. Well put together, Hefeweizen. Nothing jumping out at me saying this is amazing. Just a, a good Hefeweizen. And those are always nice to find. Mm-hmm. Okay, second sip, after I worked out a fair amount of carbonation, got a big bloom of foam you know, in the head, went back down. Now I'm tasting the beer. I can taste the wheat malt. You know, so there's a little... It has a nice dry, you know, mid to late aftertaste, um, a little bit of grassy. You can definitely taste the wheat in there after the bananas. It's interesting. I, I would say that the... Let me take another sip before I say that. I guess there's a fair amount of phenols too. I just had forgotten about them. I was going to say that, you know, it's you know, it's not really 
common in hefeweizen for the wheat to outplay the phenols, but mm-hmm. I thought it had. But actually, the the phenols come in probably like early mid taste, and you taste the wheat in the late, and then then in the aftertaste. Struggling with some new things that come up to say with it. Other flavors that are coming out here. <laughs> banana a pudding, of, banana lollipops, banana, 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 banana. There's banana. a little pear. There's, yeah. um, you can only say banana so many ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was joking about the pudding and stuff. I was just trying to think of other ways to, um, you know, Put bananas in the food. There's a little pear, there's a little sweet grape, but I mean, it's mostly it, it's it's plenty of banana for it, and I, I think that's what they planned on. They wanted to have a pretty strong banana yeasty mm-hmm. kind of combination, and, and it worked. It's a great one to keep sniffing. I'm I'm in here. I'm just sticking my nose in. Actually, I think I enjoy the aroma a little more than the flavor. Actually, not meaning that I don't like the flavor, but I really like the aroma. I just like sniffing on this one. I guess what that does say, though, is you know, if the flavor was as good as the aroma, I'd be like just chugging this thing down. I don't down. know. I mean, with, with Hefes, it's kind of hard to say because if if the aroma. With Hefes, I feel like if the if it tasted like the aroma did, you'd get this bit this banana liquid, and it wouldn't. Yeah, you're probably right. It would be too sweet, and yeah. and it'd be almost like like melted banana ice cream or something. like that. I mean, that, you almost you know? like you like an IPA to smell like it tastes, because yeah. then it's sort of delivering on a promise. But but I feel like Hefes is slightly different in, in no, the way you're it's right. constructed. Good point. Do we have any info about Yazoo Brewing? Sure. You want to hear about sure. what they are? Yes. I mean, I know they're from Nashville, and I've heard of them before. But uh, I've only had their beer on a few rare occasions. Yazoo Brewing began as just a dream. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> as opposed to all those other breweries that began as... Like actual thoughts that people had in their head when they weren't sleeping. Uh... Let's see, blah, 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 blah. Now, if they said, as a dream, literally, then that would be pretty cool. <laughs> like, I dreamt that I had a brewery. And, and I woke I up. it Yazoo. And I woke up and I made a brewery. <clears throat> uh, the, oh, the guy, uh, Linus and Lila Hall made it, and... Uh, he got a business degree from Vanderbilt and then a craft brewing education through a course in the American Brewers Guild and then an internship under Garrett Oliver at Brooklyn Brewery. Okay. Those are good bona fides. Mm-hmm. How long have they been around? Do you have that info handy? Open for business in October 2003. 2003. Okay. Their, their main line in Paris is, apparently is uh, the Dos Perros. Ale, the Pale Ale, the Hefe, Sly Rye Porter. They also mentioned Sue and Hop Project on their main page there. They have a uh, 40 BBL brew house. That's significant. 
They started with a 10 BBL system, and now they're at 40. Okay. BBLs being... Um, barrels. Barrels. Yeah, so 10 barrels is your typical brew pub type system. It's actually, if you remember, the size East End Brewing used to have. You know, that's, that's 10 barrels. It makes, uh, well, 20 kegs. It's weird because there, there are two Bs in there. There's only one B in barrel. Is it like barrel by liter or something? Is uh, it? One of the, either it's just the weird abbreviation or one of the B's might stand for British. I don't, I, I, I don't think so because those barrels are bigger. Oh. An imperial barrel is like. We have a very weird abbreviation for pounds. Yeah. I think it just stands for barrel, BBO. BRL must have been taken. I remember when I was a kid. And uh, and uh, my mom asked me how much something weighed or something, and I said, "Oh, it looks like it weighs three labs." Doesn't <laughs> know that means pounds. That's just like when I was a kid, and you know, before I was in school, you know, I was home, watched Sesame Street. After Sesame Street, the news came in, and I always thought that the news was the North, East, West, South news. Oh. <laughs> They have a little N E W S. It wasn't on a it wasn't on a compass road. Okay. It was written diagonally, and I just thought it was the northeast west south news. Just didn't put two and two in your head. I didn't. Yeah. This this was well. It wasn't written horizontally. It was written like either vertically or diagonally, uh-huh. and maybe that's why. But <laughs> <laughs> news from the north, east, west, and south. So so you're saying that if they were on the North Pole, they would just say South <laughs> news. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was like before I went to school, so I wasn't much of a reader then, right? But I'm not. I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. I just it's funny. It's funny. I mean, it's interesting. Okay, so I was at an age where I couldn't read and put together the word news, but I knew the points of a compass. That's kind of a strange thing, though. I don't know. No, you you learn weird things out of order. Yeah. All right, let's do Dos Peros. The two dogs. Dos perros, you say. Perros. Perros. So, huh. Four's a lot darker than I would have thought. I'm guessing, just from the name being Spanish, is it is a Vienna lager. Many Mexican beer styles today are descendants of old Austrian styles from an yep. Austrian mule... Rule of Mexico in the late 19th century. All Peros is made from German Munich malt. Assumption correct. English pale malt and chocolate malt. And hopped with perle and zatz hops. To lighten the body, as many Mexican brewers do, we mm. add a small amount of flaked maize. So there's a slight amount of... Smell of this. There. Smell of this. Original gravity of 10.4 degrees Play-Doh. Final gravity of 3.3 degrees Play-Doh. IBUs of 21. SRMs 13, which... Is a uh, rusty brown and smell it. Oh, look at this the 3.5% alcohol by volume. A veritable what? session beer. 3.5? Smell that thing. That's even more impressive that there's that much aroma in there. Something that's a 3.5% ABV beer. That smells good. What are you smelling, Jeff? I'm smelling a boatload of. Huh, it, I mean, it's 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 that Vienna Lager, but it is 
it's a Vienna lager meets brown ale. So it, there's this rich. It's a oh, how do I want to describe this? Bread. It's bread with molasses. There's um, you know, there's this extra. So it has the you know the Vienna malts, but there's this extra sweetness in this dark roast. So there's almost like you know, imagine you know molasses also. It, it's a really wonderful smell. Has a pretty sweet nose. Excuse me. <laughs> You're making lots of noises. Today. I'm very, very. Uh, I'm outgassing. <laughs> Usually through the uh, more pleasant end. Mm. I love this aroma. Uh, it's sweet. It's sort of cinnamon-like. It has a little chocolateness to it. No flavor, not not as sweet as the aroma. But most of it's there, but there's a little bit of of bitterness, mm-hmm. and there's a. Ooh. It's actually a lot drier than I had anticipated. Ooh, that's, that's nice. There's there's a deep burst of this uh, of mm, sort of malty toastiness, mm-hmm. like a juicy toasty flavor. If you could, mm-hmm. if you could imagine that, sure. Uh, and toast syrup, right? Really bursting. This is the most flavor of all the beers we've had tonight, I think. And this is the one at well, 3.5%. I know. I mean, you know, for people that, you know, most of the time, lower alcohol beers have lighter flavors because there's not as much stuff in it. There's not as much malt in it. Because the more malt you add, the more fermentable sugars there are mm-hmm. normally. This thing is a malt bomb. This thing's a beast of malt flavor. But it's with, like... It's kind of confounding that they got this much flavor into a beer where they weren't, they couldn't add that much malt, or otherwise it would have been too fermentable. Now, again, when you're doing all grain brewing, right, you can control the mash to make more fermentable wort versus less fermentable wort. They might have been doing a trick there to, like, you know, get a whole ton of unfermentable, you know, material into this beer to give it a full body. And they did use the flaked corn, they said, the flaked okay. maize. So they added some stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they use corn right, which is hard to do, because corn if you use it wrong, you get uh, cores. You get this cooked vegetable like cooked green beans, mm-hmm. canned green beans kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. DMS is most of it. Now if mm-hmm. you, you can you can do it and you can do things to mitigate the DMS. You chill it fast. Uh, Rolling Rock, remember Rolling Rock was their, their hallmark was DMS. Right. It was because in the brewery they could not chill the beer quickly, so a whole bunch of DMS built up in the hot wort post boil, in the kettle, and um, remember when we were on the hop trip, right? We were talking with the Anheuser Busch who had recently bought the uh, the Rolling Rock stuff, and they moved production to New Jersey. It was actually one of the challenges they had in modifying their production schedule or the production, you know, the, how they brew beer. To allow this beer to gather the DMS to make the same beer, to make Rolling Rock. <laughs> Intentionally introducing, a, you know, it was something that the right. Latrobe Brewing couldn't get out of the beer. Well, they had they had a problem with they had, they had the glass lined. That, that didn't have anything to do but, with well, it. Well, if you take a really hot glass and you make it cold very quickly, it breaks. No, no, that those are the fermenting tanks. We're talking about oh, getting from okay. the kettle to the fermenter, right? Chilling the beer. Oh, okay. So, 
Latrobe Brewing Company couldn't chill beer quickly. And that was their house flavor, the DMS that built up in the beer while they were trying to chill the beer. And then when they start making beer at Anheuser-Busch in New Jersey, they had a better system, a system without that flaw. But they had to introduce something into it to keep that character what became they slowed the what became the hallmark of Rolling Rock, that, which was a flaw. They had to, they had to do it on purpose. Well, what's funny to me is that it, it, for a while it was the hallmark of um, European beers, and then I say European, and mostly it was beers like Heineken or Stella. See, I would that say they were skunky. Well, right, right, okay. Uh, and the reason why it was that way was because they were shipped in these green bottles and allowed them to go photilic and allowed them to to, to cause the skunk reaction. They've gotten people have gotten much better about how they store their beer and process the beer. Mm-hmm. Over the time, it the perception has changed on European beers. So there's no longer an expectation. That Some European people actually beers, liked that flavor. Yeah, I know. They looked for that flavor, Ugh. but there's no longer an expe- expectation that European beers should be skunky. The same way you, you should think that just by if they change the rolling rock, even should, though even though this is beer related, it's still quite the rat hole. From where we initially were talking about, no, this the... is this is beer. This is about beer. This is not a okay. rat hole. Well, it's not, it has nothing. It's, it's, it's not even tension, tangentially related to where we started from, which was about the body of this beer <laughs> that we're drinking, which is the Dos Perros from Yazoo Brewing. If you want to continue, go ahead. I do want to continue because I think this is this is an important thing about the way beer culture is. And the question is: Is macroculture that much different? than the microculture that a slight change or even a, a, a considerably radical change like that would have lost them customers. I mean, they already would have lost customers simply because of the fact that Budweiser bought Rolling Rock and I'm not buying that anymore. The people who are buying, are they going to notice a change or are they simply buying it for an alcohol delivery system anyway? Any change that actually makes it slightly easier to drink is not going to be that big a deal. So... Taking a whole lot of things for granted here. You know, the people are going, knowing, now, the, you know, talking about these people. Yeah, these, those people. Yes. Those people. Those, you people. You people, exactly. So, you know, let's take a couple of things for assumption. They, they drink Rolling Rock because they've been drinking Rolling Rock for a while. Yes. So there's two things. They may or may not even know that Rolling Rock has changed owners. It was a pretty big story, particularly but, around but, the places but, again. But think about those people, right? May not even know. The Rolling Rock is still in the same case. Okay. On the same shelf. Okay. At the same beer distributor. With the same labels and everything. Right. The people that do know that it was changed, right? Any change would be a change for the worse, right? Yes. Think about Pittsburghers. Any yes. change is a change for the worse. Yes. Even if the beer got better. Yes. Quantitatively better. It it would be a change for the worse. So that's one reason why you'd want to make the same beer. Because you don't want to alienate. Well, you know, they they were buying... Well, you haven't answered buying, the question. They were buying several things. They were buying the trademark. They were buying the, the, the core drinker base of that beer, right? Right. And you don't want to alienate what that are the core beer base. Pe- what are the people who are buying the beer buying? They're buying... 
the commodity, first of all, the beer. Mm-hmm. But I say it's a commodity because that's what it is. It's a fungible commodity. It's alcohol. They're, they're, they're buying something to make them drunk. It's not. We're getting into a very, very, you know, socioeconomic thing here because. Well, we're, dealing with, not we're, the, we're dealing with numbers on that Rolling Rock's not the cheapest macro. No. It, it's. I think it was premium. I think it was in the premium category. God knows why, but I think it, I mean I think it was priced in the premium category, priced with Budweiser, not with you know Keystone Light, Beast Ice, right? You know, so. Uh, <clears throat> but so the question is: those people who are ignorant enough to not know that there's something changed about the ownership of their beer means they're probably not following it all too well. Do, are they going to notice a change in the taste of the beer that they use? Absolutely, almost they, solely for an alcohol delivery system. When when they drink a thirty pack over a weekend, you think they won't know it's not change at all. in the beer? I don't think so. The label hasn't changed. the 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 consistency of the beer hasn't changed. I mean, in terms of you know what it is, the only thing has changed is a slight difference in the, in in less green, uh, you know, cooked green bean flavor. That's it. Uh, the, the alcohol hasn't changed. How drunk they're getting hasn't changed. The congeners in it hasn't changed. None of the stuff has changed. The only thing that's changed is a slight difference in taste that they never paid attention to anyway. Are you're, they going to notice? You're making a big assumption no, there, though. No, because you know, they notice labels, and they notice, you know, they, they know things like things taste differently based on labels. They know, whoa, this Miller that you're giving me so is you're different saying, in this course. So, but I'm so saying you're you saying the, the, the cue... The label cue will override. Absolutely, they'll, they'll say, "Hey, it's the same label. Must be the same beer." You put them behind a, you know, you make them drink beer blind. You know, it's that Coke versus Pepsi test. Are they going to know which ones taste better, which ones they love? No, they they don't have the experience or the knowledge to really, you know, appreciate that kind of stuff. They're not tasting those subtle differences in, in the lack of DMS or the, or the We can taste it. Mm. We've had practice. They haven't. Their inter- loyalty is to the label. Be interesting. It'd be hard to hard to test, right? But it'd be interesting to take, you know, someone who's, you know, a lifelong Rolling Rock drinker. Give them old Rolling Rock, new Rolling Rock, you know, right when it changed, right? Give them different production with things. Blindfold them and let them don't, you know, do do you know, just do do a double blind test. Don't tell them what you're testing, mm-hmm. don't tell them anything, just give them two beers. Ask them a generic survey against it and and see yeah, what... Yeah, and, and do it, dude, with multiple versions of the old, a multiple version of the mm-hmm. new, and do it with a couple people. Then you have a real test. Mm-hmm. My guess is differences would be no better than chance. Because you're not dealing with people with experienced palates. You're not dealing with people who are looking for those kind of things in their beer. That's interesting. That is really interesting. You know, I know a bunch of people... My dad's friends and whatnot that are very much those people, mm-hmm. mostly with Iron City instead of Rolling Rock. But I'm like, now I'm thinking, like, how can I test this with those people? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to test that because how am I going to get different versions of the same beer? You know, so that was good, though. Dos Peros. Yes, very good. Dos Peros from, uh, from Yazoo. Yazoo! Okay, we're going to save probably the hoppiest beer for the night, even though it's only a pale ale. This is the Yazoo Pale Ale. Version of an American classic. 
uh, English Pale Munich Vienna and Crystal Malts. Hops with Amarillo Pearl and Cascade. Fermented with English Yale yeast. Original gravity of 14 degrees Play-Doh. Final gravity of 3.3 degrees Play-Doh. SRM number is 6, which is a kind of deep orange, kind of closer to wood orange than regular old orange. Uh, 5.8% alcohol by volume. And IBUs, all important in a pale ale, IBUs 55 So, one of the first words Greg said was English, but he was only talking about the malts. When yes. you smell this thing, English it pale. is, yeah, it, this is not an English style pale ale. You smell this thing, it, it's bursting with American hop aroma. Which ones did you read off the hop bill? I don't know. Amarillo. If you did. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Amarillo, yes. Pearl. So, a little bit of continental mix in there. Mm, interesting. And Cascade. Our favorite Amarillo is the the big part of the aroma there. I was yes, I, I actually wasn't. That wasn't like one of my main suspects. I was I was thinking, um, I don't know what I was thinking really. I did. I kind of had discounted the C's. I was thinking maybe a Simcoe, but no. I mean, when you said Amarillo, it's like click. Amarillo is kind of in between. Let's say a Centennial. And a Simcoe. Amarillo rides a line. So, yeah, so in like, you know, food flavors, like what are we getting? We're getting a little bit of citrus. Um, We've used blood orange a few times. I think blood orange fits in this one. It's kind of not as citrusy, a little more meaty, you know, orange. Damn it, if I can't find blood oranges, I can't eat them anyway, but I can't find Hmm. them. I used to be able to find them all the time, and now I Hmm. can't find them. I don't know if... if, uh, the great blood orange yeah, shortage Yeah, like a of blood orange shortage or something. No, it's been the past couple of years I've been looking for them. I have not seen them. There's 8 million types of oranges, but not blood oranges. Which are too bad because they're good. Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, as a quick aside from blood oranges, have you ever seen Black Chicken? I've seen it on Iron Chef, I think. Okay. Hey, my dad saw it on... Chopped or you know one of those shows or something, and uh, I went on and looked it up. I'm like, whoa! It's a chicken. It's an Asian chicken that's pigmented. They have kind of white feathers, but they're flesh. So the skin, their flesh, and even their bones are tinted black. Mm-hmm. So you're eating black chicken meat. I don't think it tastes different, right? It no, no. It generally doesn't. Uh, it can since it's not raised on huge factory farms. It's a little more gamey. They say. But it's still chicken. It's not like yeah. you're eating pheasant. It's just a little more gamey than chicken. Yeah, this is this, this is. And we're still sniffing the Yazoo Pale Ale. Uh, for me, that last aroma, the hops have kind of wafted away, and I was getting a little more malt. I was getting you know a good English you know pale malt, you know, which would be um, you know some good sweet bread, you know, like. Well, not sweet breads, <laughs> <laughs> but a sweet, you know, a bread with a good caramelization not to the it. Thalamus glands of a sheep. <laughs> and then I swirl it up, and I'm getting a little more funky hop again. You know, it's that, it's a deep resiny hop. Pretty bright flavor. 
uh, there comes the hops, and oh, they just they <laughs> the hops bowl a strike. Yeah, <laughs> they do. <laughs> Weird. I'm getting a little bit of smokiness. It's almost like from the hops and not yeah. from the malt. It's like a hop smoke. Yeah. So, so what do I mean by that? The, the the malt sets up a table and and the hops pull the tablecloth off. <laughs> the the hops come and crash the party basically, um, in a good way, in a decent way. They're fun. They're fun to have around. So you want your party crash? You getting smoke? I keep t- like that time I'm tasting even more smoke. No. No. Okay. What I am getting this weird is at least when you're talking, I don't know whether it's when I'm talking. When you're talking, <laughs> I hear no, it's when I'm talking too. Sometimes I hear a reverberation from this room. Something like this or something Something's is, resonating. Is resonating. Hmm. And it's given and I bet the weirdest thing is, because I know this, because I'm listening to podcasts where people are talking about, oh, you hear that, hear that? You can't hear it at all. Mm-hmm. But people who, who are listening can't hear it at all. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's just slight, but it's there, and it's Ooh. bugging the hell out of me. It's just like, Ooh. Let's try to stimulate it. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is. I, ha- I, I kind of think it's this. It's, okay. it's this arm that uh, my microphone is on. So let's see. Yeah, I don't hear anything now. Okay, you're holding your arm steady. Your voice is putting a resonance into the microphone arm, huh? We'll have to take care of that right away. <laughs> that's un, that's unconscionable. Why did I think of that when I was trying to taste the beer? Because Jeff, Jeff sees me. I like to close my eyes when I'm doing the beer because that's so visual. I don't want any other visual stimulus. I want it all to come to me. You know, the, since the main computer's off today and recording on the laptop, maybe that whole lack of fans... Is why you're hearing that. Maybe it's always been that way. I bet that's true. I bet I didn't notice that. But we usually have fans in the background. Another thing you, you can't hear during the podcast, but we can. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I hear this this, this thing. Uh, it's better. I mean, now we have these. We have dampeners on either mm-hmm. side. You should listen to it before we put these off. Oh yeah, when we first moved into the studio, or my my office down in the basement, we we have. Uh, some foam padding up on the walls as our acoustic, excuse me, our acoustic dampening. And this room was pretty lively when we first moved in here. It was a little bit, a lot of reverb. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty aggressive pale ale. I think it suits their the rest of their brewery because most of their breweries are not very mm-hmm. aggressive. It's, yeah, the, the, the hops come in and but, they, I mean, this is their pale ale, and then they also have a line of hop project, right? And I'm surprised. I would have expected something a little a little less aggressive for the pale ale when they have, you know, this aggressive, more aggressive, you know, ever-changing IPA hop project one. Well, no, I think that, that, that makes sense, though, because they want to put out a beer for hop heads, but they don't want to mess up the rest of their styles. And they also have this rotating thing that they keep mm-hmm. changing all the time. Sure. Oh, I mean... I agree. That's fine. I'm just a little surprised that they're that it's such a aggressive pale ale. Yeah, I think it totally makes sense. I had a feeling it was going to be aggressive. 55 IBUs is is pretty high for a pale. Close to six. That's about right. Turns about call by volume. Yazoo Brew is their Twitter handle. Yazoo. 
Mm. All right, Jeff, I'm pulling out text edit. You know what that means. Ooh, it's ranking time. All right, so here we go. Number one. Number two. Number. The suspense is killing the cust- the listeners. The I am customers. sure the <laughs> yes customers. Oh, you. Unless you really listen to to us at the end of the show, you probably paid nothing for it, and uh, I hope you got what you paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, here's my rankings. All I right. am ready. Jeff, go. I'm going to start at the top. Uh, I really love the Dos Pedros. The, the Vienna Lager, um, chock full of flavor, and even more impressive that they got that much flavor in a 3.5% ABV beer. Um, not really a traditional Vienna Lager. There was a lot more sweetness there than I would have expected, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. And I must have been in a multi mood tonight because uh, number two is the Nut Brown Ale from Blackstone. Um, that, you know, it was confounding, confusing, took me out of body to a sushi place, didn't really have, I mean, I felt like I didn't have great, you know, vocabulary to describe it, but I enjoyed the beer. Number three is another multi one. I'm going to do the Hap and Harry's, uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee lager. Kind of surprised. I would have expected this one just by the label and the, the marketing speak on the label. Uh, coming into the show, I would have thought, you know, that one's going to be a real stinker. But it was good. Uh, four is the Pale Ale, the one we just drank. Uh, it's good. Big hoppy. Uh, number five is the Hefeweizen. Love the aroma. The flavor, not as much. It was, it almost got fourth place. And then the Garrist Amber Ale. <laughs> infected. All right. My rankings. Uh, I agree with you, number one. I think Dos Peros was really awesome. And uh, I could drink five or six of these and not get all that drunk. Nope. There's, there's something to say for that. When, when a beer is that good, it, it reminds me of the the, the Tropistoles, where that was number okay. one beer for yeah. us, too. And it was like, there may be a trend... There may be a slight trend here towards making fuller-bodied. I mean, but small this, beers. but this one's not even good for a small beer. This one's just good for a beer, which is nice, also. Because well, I mean, we we had a feeling that that Trapasols was a. Well, Trapasols is Unibrew, right? It, it, what was it? It was uh, Le, Le Petit Prince. Oh, we, we had a yeah. we had a feeling that was a second running beer. This I don't think is a second running beer. No. This is just. The Petit Prince was uh, from well, that Jester King, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Jester King. Yeah, that was good, too. Oh, yeah. All right, number two. Here's where things get difficult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where? I remember my sister and I had a, had a running joke during this whole experience we had to endure, where we remember the line from... Um, from uh from Austin Powers and their parents didn't find it funny, you know, we thought it was hilarious, you know. Who does number two work for? <laughs> who does number two work for? And then Tom Arnold's and the other stall going, That's right, buddy, you tell that turd his boss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um number two 
Let me tell it who's boss. Number two is the Hefe. I think just simply because I, I like a good Hefe, and this was a good Hefe. It just it, it, it hit all the right notes. Didn't jump out and say, uh, I'm the greatest Hefe ever, here's why. It just said, hey, I'm a good Hefe, you'll like me. And uh, and it was right. So uh, I think it deserves some credit for, for doing that, so that much. That'd probably go with a Nut Brown. I don't know exactly why, but I'll go with the lager next. Nice, full, big lager. Had had a really nice flavor to it. Like Jeff says, was not expecting to get much out of this. Got a pretty good beer out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pale Ale, again, a, a, another Yazoo that's not really trying to do all that much. Uh, it's just trying to be you know, a hoppy beer for hop heads. Um, I like it. I'm just I'm not a hop head anymore. It, it's going to take more to impress me. Hefe doesn't take that much to impress me. Just do something good and decent as a Hefe, and you'll impress me fine. Mm-hmm. A pale ale. I've had so many variations on a pale ale. I want something a little bit more than just yeah, it's a pale ale. I mean, right. yeah, it's a pale ale, but give me more. The Gerst, Well, we can't accurately rank it anyway because we don't know what it didn't taste anything taste. like an yeah. alt beer. <laughs> yeah, so. Them's the rankings. All right. Well, that was Craft Beer Radio, episode 233. Thank you very much for listening to Craft Beer Radio. It is distributed under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website for more information on it. It basically means you can copy it as much as you want, as long as you give us attribution and it's not commercial. Right. Um, Again, there's the subscriptions and the affiliate links on our website. If you don't remember, go back and listen again. And uh, we'd really appreciate any support that you give us. Thank you very much. And we will see you again next time. Oh, uh, give to Pies for Prostates. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that wasn't prepared for that. But, yeah, we should work Pines for Prostates into the yeah, thing. We we will eventually. Once uh, Later, sooner or later, you'll hear a little thing from Pines for Prostates. Not the whole thing. definitely not the whole thing but uh, yeah Pints for Prostates is an awareness about prostate cancer through craft beer so uh, go check that out until we can actually play the promo for you thank you where's the darn stop button now